from the 50, midweek edition. Hello, everybody, and welcome in on back to the From the 50 Midweek Review podcast. I'm your host, Zach Sook. We got Nick Tolley on the ones and twos. He's going to be producing, as has been the case throughout our offseason podcast. And we got some big news today. J.J. Watt has decided on a team, and it, it was not what anybody thought it was going to be. We got some uh, franchise tag stuff and numbers to go over and some quick hitters. But first things first, Nick, and I saw this today and you can imagine my surprise when I get on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, and I see that the the brew show has been posted and my name is the first thing on there and the episode is titled after me. So you can imagine my surprise when I go in there and I I'm like, well, what, what the fuck is this? And so I start listening to it and I am just getting slandered left and right for, for posting an article before their launch date. And I went, TJ was going to record with us mm-hmm. and it's a bummer that he can't, I don't know if I have to get on brew sometime or next time we'll get, I'll get on this show, yeah. but I am going to just right off the top defend myself because this this first of all it was hilarious second of all not totally wrong but i want to explain my side of what happened also too my my main beef is the fact i was not notified of any of this not notified about any of it not a single text was sent not a single thing like hey like we weren't supposed to do that like let's take it down nope 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 none of that we just are gonna wait and then talk shit behind Zach's back on our podcast. So here's what it, here's what confused me. So for those of you that don't listen to Bruce, I guess we got to catch the audience up to speed if they haven't yeah. been listening. So basically what had happened was uh, we were supposed to launch the From the 50 website, which if you don't know what it is, we talked about it on the midweek show last week. We were launching it March 12th. And you should go to fromthefifty.com and you can see all our shows there, all our, our blog posts. The whole nine yards, podcast episodes, what have you, videos, everything we do is going to be on that site. And so they were talking about how they had planned to launch it March 12th, which is something, again, we talked about. We said the date right on the podcast last week Yep, and had been the plan. So then we recorded the show Monday last week, right? So it aired, we it aired Thursday. We record the show on Monday. So here's where I got confused. And... It, it, part of this is like, yeah, I'm just, I, I am a, a moron, but a big part of it is so he, TJ sends a text and I'm going to fucking read it. But this is on Tuesday morning. It's on Tuesday morning. So the, mind you, this is after we had recorded and said, we're launching, you know, the website on March 12th, whatever. He says, we have officially have the website as from the 50.com. We plan to wait to purchase it, but it was 50%. And so like we jumped on the deal. He's like, I linked it to my profile, blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to, I'm going to wait to put a video together to do a formal announcement. Just wanted to let you know, guys know that the site is live. So I took that to mean the March 12th thing is out the window. <laughs> He's going to make his, his video announcement on the 12th, but we, we can, we can start put, like the site's live. I mean, it, it, right. is, the site is live. It was. The site is live. So I then text on Thursday that I have a, 
It is word for word. Got a blog ready to go up about the combine. How do I post or create anything or should I email it to you? And basically to you is like, you can, you can do it yourself. You're a blog writer. You can sign in, blah, blah, blah. And so then he started, we talked about other stuff. And then the next, I get this text out of the blue, like who posted it? And I was like, I posted it. <laughs> and so he doesn't say anything about the, the launch date. Doesn't say anything about that. Well, hey, maybe we should take it down before we do the video announcement. And here's the other thing too. While I did promote it on our social channel for Twitter, I don't have the Facebook. I don't like, I just put it on the, mm. on the, from the 50 Twitter, as opposed to my personal one. Yeah. And me and tweeted it. Me and TJ are the only admins for the Facebook. And so page. I share, I shared it from my personal one. So like it, it, it obviously shared, drove publicity towards the new website, right. but in my mind, and you be the mediator, Tali, you can be the, the, uh, the neutral third party that like, that doesn't interfere with your ability to like do a launch, right. Or make, make the video. No, it just became do it. It became a soft launch, but I don't know. A soft launch. Yeah. <laughs> TJ's thing was I don't know if he was 100% confident that he had loved everything where it was on the site and what it looked like. Mm. So he was like, yo, I'm going to give it some more time, come back a few more times and look at it. And then it was just, oh, people are going to the site now. <laughs> <laughs> so here we're all good. So, so, so I definitely should have thought about that in my head, but. As of Tuesday, when he said it's live, I was like, oh, okay. Like, like we're up and we're good. I think that's what, what also, I took that to mean. I think what really took him by surprise was he had no, and I didn't <laughs> either. We had no idea you had any login information at all. So all of a sudden he, and I was busy at work. I hadn't even seen that it was posted. I had no idea what he was even talking about. So he comes in and then the, pull it up on my phone. We're like, who just hacked our Twitter account and is posting this stuff? We had no idea who did it. Well, didn't you assume it was me, though, that since it was an article that I wrote that was shared? Or did you not get that far? I hadn't gotten that far at all. I was just like, oh, there's an article from our website. Interesting. See, so so I like I definitely fucked up by uh, I should have just asked him before I posted it. But my I figured that like when I said, hey, I have a blog ready to go up if you didn't want me to post it that he was going to say, Hey, like, let's wait till I do the video yeah. or thought he thought when he said he, this on, on Bruce, he thought the, maybe I'd save it as a draft. Right. No, this sir, is, no sorry, Bob. <laughs> I, is, I always go live. <laughs> this is the problem with everybody assuming it's the whole, you make an ass out of you and me type thing. And mm -hmm. eh, it happens. It's fine. It worked out. No, it was, it was funny. I, but I just, yeah. I had to, uh, had to had to take some time right off the top to talk shit and again i was hoping tj was going to be here so we could go back and forth and we'll definitely have to still do that but uh yeah I, no, as soon that, as that those was, are my thoughts as soon as it was brought up on bruise last night and i knew we were waiting until today to record i was like oh i cannot wait to hear what zook <laughs> says yeah no well and what's funny uh i was i'm listening to the podcast kind of at work and I am just laughing my ass off listening to uh, all the drops that you guys were playing <laughs> yeah. and and your assessment of me as a wild card. Very, very, very <laughs> funny. Very funny. And not necessarily wrong either. And I don't think that it, it, they're they're not totally wrong, like in in terms of their uh, argument about why I posted it. But at the same time. 
like, I don't think that I was necessarily wrong for doing it either because I thought that the Tuesday text after we had recorded was basically, all right, guys, like we're live. And so the reason I, and I told you this off the air, Tali, I wrote that primarily because I, I look at the site and I was like, oh, it's live. And there were like a bunch of divisional previews. I was like, well, that we gotta, we gotta, that's not cool. Like we gotta get some updated shit up there. So lo and behold me trying to be just a good team fucking player. And I'm just getting roasted for it. It's the same situation as when I drove back, drove my happy ass back on Sunday morning to come be on the yeah. air of the show. And I just get roasted for it. Oh, <laughs> Zook's late nine Oh two walk in the door after driving two and a half hours on Sunday morning. And I'm just getting ripped to shreds. What is this? Hey, you know, stuff happens. I am glad you <laughs> took the initiative to do it, though. And now I'm kind of wondering, though, I just thought of this because you said, you know, you see the season previews up there. Did you just not want fans to click on your season previews? And because they were so bad, anything that may have been wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I thought about uh, something that I want to do next year. And I don't have the, the details worked out. But next year, when we do the season previews, I'm not doing them division by division because it's just way too much shit to post. Yeah, but uh. I'm going to obviously make the prediction still and write about it. And I think what I'm going to do next year is to make it fun. Every like division winner, like playoff spot, whatever I get wrong, I'm going to donate a certain dollar amount to a charity. And so you guys can root against me all year long so that I have to donate like my life savings and my retirement fund to charity. So, I mean, that's for a good cause and everything. Something that also could be fun is, you know how we like to get together and watch the Super Bowl is every one that you get wrong, you got to do a shot of some sort of we could do du- we could do double double punishment. I mean, it could be it could be multiple ways. But here's the thing, too. Maybe this is what we do. I will do the charity thing. Maybe we all collectively have to make predictions preseason next year. And then we all have to do it. Because I feel like it's bullshit. Why am I the only one that's putting it on the line? When I, and I'm just going to be, be absolutely, you know, out of my mind on Super Bowl Sunday for what? Right. I mean, and I guess I'm the only one that's really going to have to be able to drive home that night. So why is that? Cause I don't have anyone else to take me home. I'll take you home. <laughs> no, just kidding. We don't promote that on this show, yeah. but, but uh, you know, that brings up a good point though, but you're going to have to pick because yeah. I told you this past oh, season, I'm- multiple, I'm, I'm sick and tired of the bullshit of <laughs> you not picking and then criticizing the panels picks. It, I will be on the panel this year. It's already <laughs> built in there. So, uh, so yeah, if you don't listen to Bruce, go back and listen to that. That was like an all time clip, yes. like at the 15 minute mark, I think. <laughs> You should listen to the first 15 minutes anyways, but absolutely hilarious. Nick, Nick just gives it to me the worst out of anybody. And you know what is, I don't know, maybe this is a little messed up, but hearing that actually made me miss Nick Yale a little bit. I was like, man, football season's over. I don't get to talk to Nick as much anymore. And I like, haven't heard him like yell at me or talk shit to me about picks or anything like that in weeks. And, and, and I was, it made me feel a little bit of normalcy in the world when he's telling me to S a D and whatever. So <laughs> that's true. Uh, I didn't think about that. Cause I still talk to him once a week at, when we do brews it, you just don't talk to him. I'm anymore. separated from the beard now and yeah. uh, my heart is broken. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about some actual football. Um, JJ Watt signing with the, the Arizona Cardinals 
for two-year deal, 23 million guaranteed. Is it 30 million total, Tali? Yes. $31 million, uh, 23 of it guaranteed for two years. My initial reaction to this is, and we talked about it, we talked about it when he was the free agent, some of the landing spots. And I think, honestly, I mean, we were pretty right about, uh, I think, the the top contenders. Uh, Green Bay was up there. Buffalo was up there. Cleveland was up there. I think we mentioned all three of those. Uh, we mentioned Tampa Bay as well. But he yeah. ends up going with an absolute wild card in the Arizona Cardinals. And I know why you take the deal. Like, I'm not going to criticize him <laughs> for taking the deal. But it is just such an odd, odd thing. And he's got familiarity with, Vance Joseph, right? So there, so there's that. He'll team back up with Vance Joseph, but D Hop is there. I mean, you're not winning a Super Bowl. Yeah. I, well, I mean, if the Arizona Cardinals I, win a Super Bowl, then I'll be the first one to like eat crow. But like, sorry, like you just that's it's it is what it is, right? Like they're gonna be good, but I, I can't believe he got that much money. Me, either. I was stunned when I saw how much that was. I thought he was going to fit perfectly in that like eight to $12 million a year range. So I, that's I, all I would have offered for him. I can't remember if we put a value on him or not, but I'm glad you said that because my value on him, like I think he's an $8 million a year player at this yeah. point in his career. Let him eat on passing downs, but he's a rotational he, guy. He is not he's only every played down at every Rutgers. game, two years of his entire career. Yeah. Yeah. Twice. So like, out of like nine or 10 years. So, so to me, like, I don't know, that's so bad by Arizona. Like, and, and I, I get that they're trying to make a splash and I saw a hilarious thing on Twitter where they were like, all right, Arizona time to unveil the banner. And it was like <laughs> yeah. a meme of a Bill O'Brien banner getting unveiled at state farm stadium. <laughs> and which is so true and hilarious because none of this would have happened had it not been for Bill O'Brien. And if they didn't have Kyler Murray, I bet they'd be in on Deshaun Watson too. Well, so <laughs> yeah. I saw another one that was uh, putting Bill O'Brien in the ring of honor. The hilarious. <laughs> yeah. So, but like, so I don't blame JJ Watt for taking it. Like, I think it's double what he's worth essentially. And to yeah. me, like I, you, you have to, you have to take that deal, right? Like you can't turn down that amount of money to get what $8 million a year for two years in Pittsburgh or green Bay with like half of it guaranteed. Like you're getting 23 million guaranteed and they're not cutting his ass. Like since it's only a two year deal, the odds of you getting cut after year one is slim. So while the guaranteed number is always the number I look for the, the, he, he realistically is going to get close to that $31 million that that's in the deal. So now let's, I want to talk about it from the perspective of the Cardinals, right? You have a, a guy in Vance Joseph, who I don't think is a good defensive coordinator. I don't think he's thought of that highly in the league failed big time in Denver as the head coach. I, I just, I don't think he's a very good defensive coordinator. Even Like I thought it was a weird hire for Denver to make in the first place. He came from Miami, I believe where he was the defensive coordinator there. I think they went 10 and six that year with uh, Adam Gase and Ryan Tannehill. And that was like the JHI year and they got bounced one and done. And I've never thought that he was like some elite defensive coordinator. I've never thought of him on, on the same you know, uh, tier that I think of guys like who the who the Broncos have now, like Vic Fangio or Robert Sala, for that matter, or some of the most more elite defensive coordinators in the league, like Mike Zimmer, who is a head coach. I've never thought of him anywhere close to that. So, yeah, sure. Like you're going to play for a guy you've known, but I don't think you're getting elite coaching. 
you're going to play for a team that now you're think about his positional group. Like he's going to have Chandler Jones on the other side. They have some talent on that side of the ball, but I just think that the GM and the coach are still, uh, I don't think they're that good. I think Steve Kime, the GM there, is kind of a, a moron. I mean, just to, just to be as be blunt, but trying to be fair, like, and the main reason I think that actually has little to do with what he's like done in his position. I mean, it does have some to do with what he's done in the position, but the guy got a DUI on the Fourth of July, like. <laughs> Not a you should look. not drink and drive, period. You're it, it's stupid to do that, anyways. When you have done it, when you do it on like the fourth of July or New Year's Eve, when you're the general manager of an NFL franchise, like that is you're in your own class of dumb. Yeah. And, and immediately, like when I saw I remember seeing that, like what was it three years ago? Uh, it, it, he got, he got popped for it. And I was just, I was just like, I'm out. All right. I'm out on Steve Kime. Like, that's all I need to know. And his first round draft pick this past year was fucking trash. The Isaiah, Isaiah Williams, is that his name? The, the hybrid safety linebacker out of Clemson. Everybody was really high on him. Freak athlete guys like six foot five runs like a four sub four, five forty. I mean, just an absolute physical freak of nature. But the thing is, and, and this is, I tried, I told the podcast this before the draft occurred. He's not going to fit in every defense. You have to have a plan for him if you're going to draft him. And he didn't do shit the first year for the Cardinals, except for that pick in overtime of Russell Wilson in that crazy Thursday or Sunday night football game. Yeah. Uh, he did not flash very much at all. That pick has not looked very good. You got to give him credit for the stones to take Kyler Murray at one overall, but like Cliff Kingsbury basically made that pick. And the Josh Allen pick was terrible. Who was the other guy that they picked in the first round? Uh, and he just an absolute bust. Robert Kim Dietschy, was that who it was? I think they traded up. Like, I, And now, to be fair, I, I haven't done my research on this. I think he's been the GM there for quite a while, but I can't remember if he was 100% there when they made the Kim Dietschy pick. But an all-time terrible draft pick. And Robert Kimdichie, who basically didn't play for them, had a ton of off-the-field issues, and they just drafted him anyways. Just just horrendous yeah, by them there. He's been the GM since 2013. So, yeah. So, and, and I know they've had some success with the Bruce Arians teams, and he's had some success building the team. But I, I think, like, when you factor all of his previous history into this decision, I think it's fair to criticize it. Like, you're giving J.J. Watt $31 million? Like, what are you thinking? The, and, and they don't and, have any corners right now. They have they to re-sign Patrick Peterson, who's not the same. They got to re-sign Isaiah Simmons. So, like, you need to spend money on those guys, and you still have to find somebody else to play corner. You got to replace Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. Yeah, like, it, it, and you said it. Isaiah Simmons is his name, not Isaiah Williams. That, see, that's that's how little he did in his rookie year. Yeah. I couldn't remember his last name. So, uh I just think that with his combined history, like I've been out on him since the DUI and I don't really give him much credit for the Kyler pick. I think that Cliff Kingsbury was a bad hire. Um, I think they're competitive because of the roster and like, because of that, cause Kyler's pretty damn good, but I just don't know like what you have to look at the cost benefit analysis too. Like what could I get with those $31 million? Like you mentioned all the holes, Tolly. You could have got a corner. 
You could have got a wide receiver. You could have got another lineman. Kyler's running for his goddamn life constantly. So, like, you could have done all these things, and you blundered your first-round pick last year. Like, I, I don't know what they were thinking in offering this. If you're J.J., I don't blame him for taking it at all. You got a good quarterback. You get to re-up with DeAndre Hopkins. You re-up with a defensive coordinator that you're familiar with. You get a, a, a rushing mate on the other side that's just an absolute stud in Chandler Jones probably the most underrated defensive player in the NFL, in my opinion. And so it makes sense from JJ Watts perspective from Arizona's perspective. I don't see it at all. I, the only thing that I kind of understand a little bit is they did a two year deal. So in theory, by the time you have to extend Kyler, who's on a rookie deal, he'll be off the books. So I think yeah. that's part of the, their reasoning maybe in like going for it or trying to take advantage of the rookie deal window with, with Kyler Murray. But to me, you could have just done so much more with that than a guy that you mentioned, Tali, has played 16 games twice in his entire NFL career and a guy that is not even going to be an every-down starter for you moving forward. Do you want to hear Steve Kimes' first-round picks since he's been the GM? Yeah, of the oh, Cardinals? I absolutely do. They're, they're fucking terrible. I know that. <laughs> so seventh overall, he took Jonathan Cooper. That was his first year. Outstanding. Then he took... Jonathan what, Cooper's the corner, right? He's the offensive guard. He offensive was from North guard. Carolina. Okay. I think he's like a backup now. Great. Uh, he took Dwayne Buchanan, safety out of Washington State. The he was next good, year. wasn't he? Yeah, he was okay, but I don't know if he was really first first-round pick. Sure. They got DJ Humphreys, tackle out of Florida. Kim Duce, like you were talking about. Awful. All-time bad. Yeah. I think he was off the team in like a year or two. Hassan Reddick, who's good, they have that's another guy that I think is up to be re-signed. Then you got Josh Rosen, 10 overall, then Kyler, then Isaiah Simmons. So yeah, and and uh so most of those Hassan Reddick was looking bad for a while, wasn't yeah. it? I mean, he didn't have the fastest start to his career. He's done a little bit better, but I think what what year was Hassan Reddick picked? 2017. 2017. So they declined his fifth year option then. And that's why he has to be re-signed, right? Yep. So, I mean, it, I, I I think a lot of it is like, if you, you can't judge totally on this, but if you decline the guy's fifth-year option, he was a bad pick. Correct. And think about all the guys he's picked since 2013, Tali, that never even made it to the end of the rookie deal. Josh Rosen, never heard of this Cooper guy. <laughs> Don't know if he made it to, to the end of his rookie deal or not. You got Kim DJ, who definitely didn't make it to the end of his rookie deal. That's like, that's three guys at least. I don't and know. Isaiah Simmons hasn't done shit I don't think his rookie Buchanan. year either. I don't think Buchanan really ever got a second deal either. It, that's not good. So, yeah. so yeah, I, I just think, and I didn't mean to like totally eviscerate the guy, but he is a moron. And I just, I think that like, it's it just shown like it, the evidence is right there in front of us. Like it's not as though that this guy is some genius. Oh, he traded for Deandre Hopkins. Fucking congrats, dude. Oh, he took Kyler Murray. Like again, do, do you want a pat on the back? Like, like first of all, like Cliff was the one that did it. And when you were the one deciding to pick the quarterback, you picked Josh Rosen. <laughs> like Cliff was the one that said, I would take Kyler one overall. They hire Cliff. They take Kyler one overall. And, and as far as the cliff hire goes again, that's another thing that I red flagged independently. Like Cliff Kingsbury's best record at Texas tech was seven and five with Patrick Mahomes, there. with Patrick Mahomes <laughs> and Baker Mayfield. And I want to say they had another pro prospect on the, on the roster at, at that time also around yeah. that time. So like, I, I I just think that it's 
you know, fair to criticize the JJ Watt signing from the Arizona Cardinals perspective. But uh, if you're JJ, you got, you got to take it. You absolutely yeah. have to take it. I think that, you know, Green Bay was probably going to be the front runner, to be honest with you, um, had he not gone to Arizona unless he wanted – I don't know what Cleveland was offering. Those those stories haven't come out yet, I don't think, and we'll cover them here when they do. But I, I knew Green Bay was a favorite, one of the favorites to get him, but they weren't offering any – I can confidently tell you they weren't offering anywhere in that realm uh to to jj watt i mean that might explain his free agency is wild tweet that he put out where he's getting you know three four offers around eight million a year and then all of a sudden here come the cardinals who he come the cardinals think about going to here's 16 mil this year yeah you know what that kind of reminds me of it to use a baseball analogy and you know baseball tolly so Mm -hmm. i think you'll 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 recognize this callback do you remember manny machado's free agency when uh very well he was, I think, I believe the Yankees were big time in the mix with yep. the White Sox. And those he were was, the two main teams. He was supposed to be signing with the Yankees after his third year with the Orioles. <laughs> yes. So the Yankee, it, it came down to it. And basically the Yankees and the White Sox were in a bidding war against themselves. The owner at the time for the Yankees kind of said like, look, like we're not, we want to be below the luxury tax. Like they, yeah. they didn't, they were very hesitant to give him the deal. It was kind of the White Sox for the taking, but they didn't they didn't want to commit over 300 million either. And basically the Padres figured out what he was being offered and they're like, oh, we'll give you like three hundred and forty seven million dollars. And like just out of nowhere, just upped it like 50 million (laughs) dollars and signed him. And so it's like that is what I feel like happened with the J.J. Watt thing. Like the Cardinals were like, what's your max offer? Oh, well, we'll just like double that. which is stupid. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't win games by doing that. Yeah, you, you, you won the player, sure, but it's all about value. And I know I've talked about this before on the pod. It, money talks and shit walks, and it's a value league. Like getting starters in the fifth round wins you more games than taking a good player 10th overall. That's expected. He better be a good player if he's 10th overall. Like – what what makes what separates you is being able to get guys on cheap deals, being able to get these undrafted free agents that can come in and start for you. To use another Broncos comparison, Philip Lindsay out of the University of Colorado, starting running back, boom, right away, better than the guy they took in the third round, Royce Freeman. Like that's why getting the, guys like that is what wins you the championships. Not, that's why the Patriots have been so good, is because half their starters they draft from the fourth to the seventh round or are undrafted guys. And they, that they all brought play in. a role. And they all play a role. And so I, I don't think that while it earns you points in the media, I don't think they're any closer to winning a Super Bowl now than they were before they signed JJ. And I think actually when you consider what they could have done with the 31 million, they're gonna be farther away than had they signed a couple of other guys. Now, if J.J. Watt plays like 16 games and has like 12 sacks, different story. But when you factor in his history, you can't do revisionist, you know, bullshit. Like, you either agree with the signing or disagree with it at the time, regardless of how it plays out in the future. So let's move on to the franchise tag. We want to talk about some of the franchise tag and the transition tag, guys. Tali was nice enough to uh, send us this article and there's a list here, and we'll just kind of go through some of them. Guys that are no-brainers to get signed, some guys that might get signed, and, uh, you know, kind of what they'd be looking at, what the situation's like. And number one here is Dak Prescott, and I don't disagree, but I think this is going to be one of the most interesting stories of the offseason. 
And I'm interested to hear your take on it, Tali. I think the Cowboys actually did the right thing here in, in not extending him last year. I know I'm in the minority on that. And everybody's like, oh, you're so stupid. The price is only going up on Dak Prescott. And they're not necessarily wrong, right? But I think that these $100 million deals that we've been giving out to quarterbacks lately, it's it's gotten a little out of hand. And if I was a general manager, I would certainly think before I did that. Dak Prescott's a really good player. But is he good enough to command that money? The only guys that should be making that percentage of the salary cap are guys like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, guys that can carry the team when it has holes in it. The Dallas Cowboys have had an elite defense, an elite offensive line, a great running back, and multiple talented wide receivers and passing threats. And they just took another in CeeDee Lamb this past offseason. So, like, when you give Dak Prescott this deal, guess who walks? Jalen Smith doesn't get re-signed. Your corner gone Shadobi Wuze he ain't getting re-signed you've already seen your offensive what, linemen are gone yeah you've already seen them lose a couple offensive linemen just by extending Zeke and if you, yeah and I was gonna say that's the thing that constantly gets brought up well they extended Zeke and I think that this decision is independent of that one and regardless of how you feel about whether or not they they should have extended Zeke or shouldn't have I have long thought he's kind of an overrated player but he's still a really good running back. And it's like, wait, so you're going to let him walk? Like, I mean, the Aaron Jones situation for Green Bay, I think, is a little different. Like, you invested a top 10 pick in Ezekiel Elliott. Like, you didn't do that to have him on the team for five years and then trade him. So I wasn't shocked at that at all. Dak Prescott, on the other hand, while he is a third rounder and you have more than taken advantage of what he has made, made in his four, rookie deal. He made $4 million his first four years. Like you've more than taken advantage of that. But again, you have to, you have to pause when, when you're, when you're getting ready to offer these deals, Jared Goff got a, like a hundred million dollar deal. Carson Wentz got a hundred million dollar deal. Both guys are on different teams. And I think the, the talent levels comparable. I think Dak Prescott's a much better player than Jared Goff, but I think Carson Wentz is a more talented player than Dak Prescott. I will admit this past year, has kind of changed my mind a little bit. I think the leadership and the off the field stuff that Dak brings makes him more valuable now than Carson. But I long thought Carson was better than Dak. And I still think in terms of like arm talent, he is. Dak Prescott is not some elite thrower of the football. He's not like some super fast processor that makes these unreal throws. He manages the offense. So like, do I want to pay $100 million to a guy that manages the offense? That's why I think he's going to get franchised. So whether or not he signed the deal, Tyler, what's your kind of take? Like, what would you do if you were the Cowboys? I think I would franchise him again and buy myself another year to kind of decide on it. I I think if you're Jerry Jones, it comes down to do you want to win or not? And does Dak Prescott want to win? Because if you're paying him 35 to $40 million a year, you're not going to win a Super Bowl because you can't fill as that, right? You can't fill out your roster. If you get him in the 20 to 25 million dollar range, then I think you're okay. You have Absolutely. a chance. You're at least going to be competitive. So then it comes down to him like just being real with him. Dak, do you want to win or not? Because we'll let you go walk and you can go sign with the Jets for yep. 35, 40 Ex- million exactly. dollars a year. And exactly. Yeah, no, I in- I'm so like that, I think hits every nail on the head of what the, the, the argument is like, 
you want to go quarterback the fucking Jags or the Jets? Like you said, like whoever, go right ahead, buddy. This is the Dallas fucking Cowboys. And realistically, he is like a 20 to $25 million a year player. Like and you can't win a Super Bowl with him on that contract. And I think that ends the conversation if, right there. Is what are we doing? What are we doing then? If we're going to sign him to a $35 million a year AAV, and then we're not, we're, we just said, and we agreed, they have no shot to win the Super Bowl the second they do that. Yep. Maybe for a year until start guys start leaving. But this is a team that, of course, he was injured, but they haven't made the playoffs. So uh, I, I think that right there kind of says it all. And Dak, I think, clearly wants to get paid. He's been underpaid, so I, I don't blame him. I've never criticized a guy for going after the money and trying to maximize your earning window that is very short in the NFL. Which, But if, I just think you have to consider – it's there's something to playing for America's team yep. and playing for Jerry Jones and having a chance to be good. The Fox game of the week, every Sunday there, there's something to that. Now, if you want to go make a lot of, a lot of money and go play for a Jets team and win four games a year, that's, that's just fine. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's just, I think you got to think there's, there's more at stake here than just what your salary and what your game check looks like, because your endorsements your earning potential after your career is through the roof. If when you're all the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, what I was going to say, if he wins a Super Bowl with the Cowboys, their first since the nineties, he's going to make way more off he's the a legend, field a legend combined than what he would make anywhere else. Just right on the field. He's an instant legend. If he wins a, if he wins a Super Bowl with the Cowboys and look at, and look at the last two quarterbacks. One of them had didn't never won a Super Bowl. Tony Romo is killing it as a broadcaster. And so is Troy Aikman the Dallas Cowboys quarterbacks do pretty well in life after they retire, because you know who wants to have the Dallas Cowboys, former quarterback around basically everybody. So like, you're going to have opportunities. So I, I just think that there's, there's more to it here. And if I was Dak, I think I, I'd maybe take a long look, just, just injured your ankle big time. Like maybe, maybe take a look here. Maybe I want to get some security and take the 20 to 25 mil a year and become a, a cowboy for life. So, which let's be honest too, is plenty of money for the rest of your life. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, Alan Robinson is next on this list. This is from NFL.com. In case you're wondering, um, Alan Robinson with the bears looked like a surefire bet to be let go, but it now looks like they're going to, uh, franchise tag him, which I don't hate that, but it just still feels like there's no way they're going to get him to a long-term deal after this year. So I think it feels like this is going to be you're just trying to get one more year of production out of him. And I think it's mainly because they know they have no shot to get a, a playmaker even close to his caliber if they let him walk. Or and he's you, also a really good player. You can also franchise tag him and then trade him later, at least get something out of it. Right. So uh, I, I don't think you can let Allen Robinson walk, and that's why he's got to be the franchise tag player for the Bears this season. You got Chris Godwin coming up as well. Taylor Moton for the Panthers, who is an offensive tackle. Kenny Galladay for the Lions. So a lot of wide receivers here. Um, and then we kind of get into the next tier. And, and I kind of agree with all of those. Like, I think they're kind of no-brainers. Like, you cannot let Chris Godwin walk. If you don't have the money to extend him, like, at least just kick the, kick the can down the road to next year. The hard part uh, with the Bucks is they also have Shaq Barrett and Levante David that they want to keep. So you got to kind of figure out a way to – Franchise tag one of the three and extend the two out of the three. So in, in realistically, probably what's going to happen is you have to do, you have to rank them all. I mean, that's what yep. the Packers did this past year. 
they knew, okay, who do we have going to free agency? Aaron Jones, Corey Lindsley, Jamal Williams, David Bakhtiari, Kenny Clark. And so they sat down and they said, realistically, we could probably extend two of these guys. Who do who is most important to extend? The left tackle and the defensive interior lineman. And that's what they did. And they said, maybe if we, with some significant alterations to the cap, we could keep somebody else. But these are the two. So those are the two guys that got in season extensions. And the other ones are just going to have to walk. And that's just the business of football. When you're paying Aaron Rodgers, what you're paying Aaron Rodgers. And when you are paying Devontae Adams, what you're paying Devontae Adams. And then the extensions of the other guys that are kicking in. So, uh, you know, I, I say all that to say uh, for, for the Bucks situation, they're going to have to make some tough decisions. And eventually some of these guys are going to walk. But I think under no circumstances can you let Shaq Barrett walk. Under no circumstances can you let Chris Godwin walk. I think probably the oddball out there is going to be Levante David, who's on the wrong side of 30, is an elite player, one of my favorite players in the NFL, was so underrated for so many years for them. It was awesome to see him get his shine this year and win a ring. I mean, like, what a legend. Like, you stayed in Tampa Bay all these years, played on all these futile teams, the yucks. And then Bruce Arians comes, you get Tampa, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, Tom Brady comes to town and you guys win a Super Bowl. Like that's gotta be pretty awesome for Levante David to now, like at the end of his prime, finally win one. So uh, you make it to the next tier. Um, you got Justin Simmons of the Broncos, Carl Lawson, Marcus May, John Johnson, safety for the Rams. And when you get into some of these other tiers, uh, the safeties are a lot easier to franchise tag. So I think now would probably be a good time to go over the compensation. And Tyler, we were talking about this before we went live, but it is the average of the top five salaries of the position, but it's not simply just an average of the salary. It's an average of that player's percentage of the 2021 cap. So because the cap is going down, whatever their percentage of the cap is going to be the top five earners at that position under contract, you take an average of that. And that is the cap percentage that the player will make. So for example, let's say the cap percentage is, you know, 11% for the top safety, top five safeties in the league. And 11% of the salary cap is I'm just doing some rough math here. I don't know. Like, (laughs) 18 million dollars per year or whatever right like then that player would make 18 million dollars like that is what their one year salary cap would be now if you start to to get into this area where you're franchising guys multiple years like what happened with Kirk Cousins like what could potentially happen with Dak Prescott uh it then becomes the average of the top three players not the top five which then especially at these more shallow positions makes it significantly more expensive to franchise the guy the second year. So they listed Aaron Jones, Tali, in this as well on the kind of that second tier. And I just don't know if they, if the Packers will be able to, 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 to do that. Like, I, I just don't think that they're going, they're going to do that with AJ Dillon in the backfield as the second round pick, I think they're far more likely to extend Jamal Williams, who would be significantly cheaper and who has mentioned to the public that he wants to stay in green Bay. And you could have AJ Dillon be the feature back and keep Jamal uh, Williams in his exact same role. So you get to this third tier here. You got Shaquille Griffin, Matt Milano, a couple of Pats, Joe Thune, David Andrews, 
Curtis Samuel, Johnu Smith, Bud Dupree, uh, Trey Hendrickson, the uh, defensive end for the Saints uh, that wore the long sleeves. That guy, that is how I know him. Uh, Marcus Williams, you got Hassan Reddick, Hunter Henry, a big group here. Yeah. And, and honestly, I think that that group, probably not many franchise tags are going to come out of there, maybe one or two. But you have to understand, like, to even be worth the franchise tag, like, do we think this guy's worth the average of the top five at his position? Like Curtis Samuel, do we think he's worth the average of the top five at his position, even for one year? Hell no. Hell no. You can't do that. That's why this is the group of leaning no guys and Matt Milano's in there. Like, I love Matt Milano. Great linebacker for the Bills. But he's not really worth 14.6 million because he's not a pass rusher. He's a coverage guy. And you can't afford to have that big of a number in the middle of your He's defense. at least closer to being a top five linebacker, though. Like, he's yes. a hell of a lot closer to five than he is, like, 20. And, but, and, but, like, some of these guys, like, like Curtis Samuel, again, so, hate it. Sorry to hate on Curtis Samuel, but, like, Trey Hendrickson, too, or Hassan Reddick. Like, you're not anywhere near the top five at your position. So, like, to me, it's like, I'll just, dude, I'll just let you walk. Like, there's going to yeah. be the, – the, these guys – are, are the people that hit free agency that there's a dime a dozen. So there's no reason to franchise tag them. Like when, when I'm considering using the franchise tag, it's for a player that I think is absolutely good enough to play on the team that I want on my team that I just don't know that I can swing financially for either cap can cap restraints of the, the team I've built, or just, I'm not comfortable giving him the dollar amount that he's probably going to command. Those are the only two reasons that you should really probably be franchise tagging a, a guy um, or to, you know, potentially get that long-term deal a year after. Maybe it looks better for your team if maybe you're like, okay, well, we're about to clear some other contracts off the book. If we could just get to next year, then we'd be in a much better position to re-sign him. I think that's, you know, all, you know, has to be considered when, when you're having these conversations. Yeah. So let's move on. We got some quick hitters here and then we'll, then we'll get out of here for this week. Um, Carson Wentz. I saw a nugget that he partially dictated his trade to the Colts basically said, I'm not interested in going to Chicago. I won't go. And so Don't he, blame he, he requested the trade, but also said, I'd like to go to Indianapolis. And I think had had conversations with Chris Ballard and Frank Reich and wanted to go there. And so I know that this is kind of more of a management league. The NFL is, and the, it's not, you know, the, this NBA player first, you know, system. And I think that's a good thing, but I also think that these players have a little bit more power, at least at the top of the market than the public gives them credit for. Like Carson Wentz totally put the Eagles in a bind. He basically forced them to fire their coach, forced his way out when they did not want to deal him. And partially dictated who they dealt him to. So I think that Carson Wentz, like there are are few moments in your life where you're going to truly be in a position of leverage. And I don't blame Carson Wentz for taking advantage of it. But I just think it's really interesting that he was like, hey, I want to go to freaking Indy. I got Frank Reich there. I got a great offensive line. I got Jonathan Taylor at running back. I got a great defense. I want to go there. So, like, I think it's really interesting that he kind of partially dictated his trade there. Well, I think, when didn't the, he have they could a trade no, him somewhere else? Didn't he have a no trade clause though? I'm not sure. I'm not totally I, totally sure about I that. I think I saw somewhere he had a no trade clause or some because of his extension. You know, he probably yeah, did something most, in his contract. Most, 
most players that are extended, especially at the quarterback position, have no trade clauses. Almost, I want to say exclusively, all quarterbacks that are on their second deal of the team that drafted them have no trade clauses. I I think it's less common, like, again, when you get to safeties and linebackers and stuff, but the quarterbacks almost always have no trades. Uh, Russell Wilson has one. Aaron Rodgers has one. Like, they all have no trade clauses. Tom Brady had one. So uh, I just thought, I I do think it's interesting. And, and, And part of the reason that Carson Wentz had this power, right, is like, if he says, like, I don't want to go to Chicago, well, Chicago's not going to offer him a good trade. Like, why, why do you want, I think that's a mindset that shifted from what it was like in the 90s. I think back then, the team trading for the player said, I don't give a fuck. Like, we're just going to do it. You know, like, like the Raiders back in the day, a lot of guys never wanted to go to the Raiders, but Al Davis said, yeah, we'll trade for him anyways. We'll acquire him anyways. We'll play harder so he can get out of here then. Right. And, and like, well, well, the Eli Manning scenario too, right? And uh, yeah. Jim Kelly with the Bills. I mean, you, you're more intimately familiar with the Jim Kelly example, but don't you remember when he went and played for the USFL and was drafted <laughs> yeah. by uh, the Buffalo Bills? He did not want to go to Buffalo. He's like, I do not want to go to that blue collar town and and play up there in the snow like i would much rather play for the tampa bay what were they the rattlers i, I can't remember exactly what uh, they were know. but uh i think they were the outlaws actually tampa bay outlaws <laughs> anyways he ends up going to buffalo and becomes a legend and yeah. that's i he think he still more lives the, there today right and he totally changed his mindset and mm-hmm. that was more how teams approached it back then they said well, we, well buddy we got your rights so <laughs> yeah. you're either gonna play for us or you're not gonna play in the league But teams nowadays have totally shifted from that to the point where it's like, well, if he doesn't want to be in the building, we don't want him here. He's just going to cause problems. You know, we, we were not going to get the value. He's not going to play hard. And they're, they just rather deal the guy. And so I think that the players now in management is more forward thinking in that way. Like we want guys that want to be here, obviously. And so I think that gives a little bit more power to the player. And I think that that was interesting that uh, that little nugget came out about that Carson Wentz um, story. Um, Alex Smith is leaving the Washington football team still wants to play. Um, we could talk about some of the options for him and for the Washington football team going forward. They do not really have a quarterback. Let, uh, Dwayne Haskins go. They will be parting ways from Alex Smith. I believe they still have Taylor Heineke on the roster, but they he's signed him. He's ideally the backup. So where do you think Washington goes from here? Well, let's cover Alex Smith first, maybe, because I think that that'll take less time. I think Alex Smith is ideally your third string quarterback that is on the roster that does not have to dress where I can acquire all of his leadership and off the field ability and his knowledge and have him as my emergency QB, but I'm not depending on him as the backup in case my starter goes down. And I'm obviously not depending on him as the starter because of just given his history, it's a, he, he, he played okay, but you're certainly not, you're going nowhere fast. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean. That's just the reality. You're going nowhere fast if he's your starting quarterback. And again, like comeback player of the year, the guy is a fucking warrior and should be commended and honored for what he has been able to come back and do borderline, like hall of fame worthy comeback, like that act in and of itself. So I love Alex Smith. I'm a huge Alex Smith guy. I don't think he should be nowhere near a, a, a gridiron as a starting quarterback for one of the 32 NFL teams. But like, if I, if I was the Green Bay Packers, like let's cut Tim Boyle, let's bring Alex Smith in. You get, you get Aaron Rodgers, you get Alex Smith and Jordan Love. Like why, why not? So like, I, I think he absolutely should be on a 53. And then if, if he's the, the third string at that point, even if your top guys get hurt or then the backup starts playing like shit, you're not depending on him week in and week out. You're then in a, in a, 
in, in a situation in a season where you're just going to have to limp through anyways. So uh, I absolutely would take him on my team. I just don't want him. I ideally he's not taking any snaps so, under center for me. There's I think four teams that I've kind of seen him like rumored to be involved with. I'm curious on your thoughts. If you think any of these teams should get him, the Broncos bears Eagles and the Panthers. So those are all teams that I think that he he'd have to play. (laughs) So like, I don't, I don't know what the league thinks of him. Maybe the league is higher on him than I am because he did, you know, start and was serviceable. Like he's, he wasn't the worst quarterback in the league this year. I was scared to death every time watching him play though. Me too. And then the leg issues cropped up. It wasn't the same thing, but he had problems and had to sit out games. Like I, I just don't think it's possible for him to make it through a 16 game season at this point. So I don't think that you can sign him to be anything more than a backup at best. And even as the backup, the backup quarterback position is very important in the NFL. You dress every Sunday, you are a snap away from being the starter and being the starter at the most important position. So ideally I don't even really want him dressing on Sundays. So it'll be interesting. I think from what you told me, it sounds like he's like potentially maybe going to sign somewhere to compete for a starting job. So it looks like he'll at the very worst be a backup, but uh, I, 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 don't think that makes much sense for any of those teams, to be honest with you. The Bears, the Panthers, the Eagles, the Broncos are all looking for a quarterback. Maybe the one that makes the most sense out of those is Denver, because it sounds like they're going to run it back another year with Drew Locke if they don't trade for Deshaun Watson. I don't think they're really considering drafting anybody this year. Well, I mean, we'll see how it goes. But uh sounds the- like if they're going to get a, add a quarterback to the roster, it's going to be through free agency or trade. The so, Panthers uh, will still have Teddy Bridgewater there unless – because. I mean, unless they sign Alex Smith and trade for Deshaun Watson, the Eagles have Jalen Hurts. The Bears could re-sign MVP Mitch, I guess. <laughs> if, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, well, so I do, guess but... I guess in Philly he would he would be the backup to Hurts, and you're right. In 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 Carolina, he'd be potentially the backup to Teddy. But I feel like in in those situations it would be an open competition in, in training camp. Don't you think like, I don't think they'd name the starter right away. Yeah. I don't know. I don't see there's that he much wouldn't of be the favorite to win different. those battles, but no. it, for, it's a lateral move. Like to me, Teddy Bridgewater and Alex Smith are like the same guy at this point. Yeah. I think J- Jalen hurts is clearly better, but uh, I think it's intriguing. Like for, for the Broncos, like I'm just more interested in his off the field ability and leadership and like clearly just a, a, a class, a first class human being. Which I and, think would be good for Drew Locke is if you can right. bring in an Alex Smith and he can kind of show him some ropes on some things. And, and Alex out. Smith is a guy who's had an up and down career. It yeah. didn't work out in San Fran. He got benched for Colin Kaepernick and had to re in, reinvent himself in Kansas City and then had to do it again then got in Washington. Pat Mahomes. Right. And then got benched for Pat Mahomes and then had to had to sign in Washington where he was he was the starter for half a year then battled back like this is a guy that knows adversity that's been through a lot in his career that could that could teach Drew Locke who's kind of trending in the same direction like you got a limited amount of these opportunities here's what I wish I did differently in San Fran and maybe it can help him uh kind of mature along the way I don't know if it will like I if you don't see the throws you don't see the throws that's just kind of part of quarterback evaluation why it's so mystifying year in and year out is because if you're not so close to the process, it's just really hard for you to, I think, uh, make that call. But yeah, I think that's that's certainly interesting. Um, and it'll be interesting to see where he lands. He's absolutely 
100% going to be on a roster uh, this coming fall. But um, I, I don't know if it should be as the starter. And, and if some team, I mean, we just saw the Cardinals give JJ Watt 31 mil. So like I, anything is possible. There these quarterback needy teams. He feels like a signing that could end up happening later though, too, like after the yeah. draft. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, what last topic I want to talk about on the show today, Nick, mm-hmm. Chris Sims came out with his 2021 quarterback rankings for the draft. And I, I want to lay it on you for, you know, for, for reference, he has had a very interesting track record over the over the past three years. He basically had Patty Mahomes one in 17, but he didn't officially make the ranking, so he doesn't technically get credit for that. But in 2018, he had Lamar Jackson one. Let me go pull it up here. Lamar Jackson one, he had Josh Allen two, he had Baker Mayfield three, he had Sam Darnold four, and Josh Rosen five. So, like that, <laughs> that's that's, that's pretty impressive. And so then in 2019, oh boy, I don't have that one pulled up right here. Let me try and get it. Who were the quarterbacks in the 2019 class, Holly? Oh, I don't, I can never remember who's drafted in what year. And, but I mean, from that 2018 year, a little bit of a homer, I would still say Josh Allen's better than Lamar. No, I would, I would say Josh Allen's better than him as well. And I think that you would have to pretty much say that, uh, be just because of his throwing ability and how far the, the bills were able to make it. It was Kyler Murray, Drew Locke, Dwayne Haskins, Daniel Jones, Will Greer, Jarrett Stidham. That's kind of the group that came. So he pretty much had, he pretty much had it. Kyler Murray. Uh, I forget who he put second, but he had Dwayne Haskins third and he had Daniel Jones like down at six. So like he was kind of right on that year also. Then in 2020, um, he had Justin Herbert ahead of Tua. He had uh, Jalen Hurts, I believe, ahead of Tua. He had Joe Burrow number one overall. He had he had Joe Burrow one. He had Herbert two, and I want to say he had Jalen Hurts three. So he this is a guy that's I mean take it with a grain of salt. It is what it is. But Chris Sims has had a decent enough track record, and this is what he has this year, which is absolutely wild. <laughs> so he has Zach Wilson as the top quarterback prospect. Coming in this year, a year in which Trevor Lawrence is the consensus number one overall pick, Chris Sims, Zach Wilson, number one. That right there just starts it right off. He has Trevor Lawrence, number two. Then he goes Mac Jones as the third best quarterback in the class. He has Kellen Mond out of Texas A&M as the fourth best quarterback in the class. Then Justin Fields and Trey Lance at five and six. I love Trey Lance. So I can already tell you I'm diametrically opposed to whatever his his ranking is. I think Trey Lance is awesome. Like he's going to be a good player. I need to watch him more. Like I haven't done any of the rankings or the or the grades yet myself. But uh, I I just I thought it was interesting that he has the BYU kid over Trevor Lawrence. And we've talked about it on the podcast. I don't think it can really be argued that Trevor Lawrence is the best prospect. But I think it's far from a lock that he has the best career. He's going to Jacksonville and the hype on this kid is out of control. Like if he same way, if Zach Wilson goes to the jets, I'm not sure how uh, both of them, I think could be very, very good quarterbacks, but right. on those teams, they're going to end sure up in terrible situations up. and it's going to be an uphill battle their entire career. And because of the hype, like you said, Tali, like let's say Zach Wilson goes to the jets and, and Trevor Lawrence goes number one overall to the Jacks. 
anything less than like perennial pro bowls is going to be viewed as a huge disappointment, which is unfair. First of all, to the player, but more than that, it's going to affect how you view it. Like in five to 10 years, so everybody's gonna be like, Oh, well, everybody else had Trevor Lawrence. Well, yeah, he's objectively the best quarterback prospect. If I'm factoring in, he plays for the Jags. Maybe I rank it differently. So like, that's the thing with like these pre-draft rankings is like, well, I mean, it, it had I if if freaking Trevor Lawrence ends up on like the Chargers as opposed to the Jags, like, yeah, that's a little bit different than ending up on the worst team in football. So uh, I thought that was interesting. A lot of guys are high on Zach Wilson. I think he's an interesting player, kind of a gunslinger, got a lot of arm strength. He's a big kid, six, four, I think, um, but he's only like 200 pounds. And so that I think is the, what's going to hold you back with him. Like, are you worried that he can, can he make it through a full season at 200 pounds with that frame? He, That's a very skinny, he won't skinny be, frame on he six, won't four. be there long. They're going to put weight on him real quick. <laughs> this and is the is, NFL where they don't have to worry about rules like they do in college. He'll bulk he, up he real is a, fast. He is a mover, you know, like similar to Josh Allen. He can move yeah. around the pocket. He can scramble. He can do some things. I think Trevor Lawrence is obviously the best quarterback prospect in the class. The guy's just unreal. I think, though, the the game against Alabama in which they were severely outmatched and got kind of dominated was, I think, kind of a preview of what you're going to see uh, in Jacksonville. He yeah. has had the best team going up against ACC scrubs every Saturday. So seeing him play against Alabama is, I think, going to be more kind of what, what it looks like. And to me, I thought he still played fine in that game. Uh, so I'm really not worried about him. What is has gotten a little crazy to me is the Mac Jones hype. I think it's so out of control. I, I mean, what do you think of what? What do you think of Mac Jones as a quarterback, Tolly? Like, I, I think he's straight up like a second or third round pick. I mean, I guess maybe his arms a little bit stronger, but you don't see too many differences between him and Jake Fromm, who came out last year, and Jake Fromm went in the sixth round. Uh, honestly, I don't know where the hype my, is coming from. I get he won a national championship. That would have been my. Comp. Where's the hype coming that, from? That's my comp from from last year. Like if I had to comp him to a quarterback in last year's class, it would be Jake Fromm. He's a statue. He doesn't have great arm strength. Um, I think that he. He processes throws and defenses way better than Jake Fromm did. Jake Fromm was like all of that, and he was like a one-read quarterback, so yeah. not ideal. <laughs> but uh, Mac Jones is still like a guy that he like. If you're gonna be a statue, you gotta be like Big Ben, or you gotta be right. you know a guy that just has unbelievable arm strength. And he's his comp is like Tom Brady, right? And right. Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time, but. He, he did. He was not a physically imposing person. He did not have great arm strength. So to be, you know, a successful quarterback in the NFL, then you have to have hall of fame level preparation. So like, do you think he has Drew Brees, Tom Brady or Peyton Manning like preparation? That's the only way you can take him. And, and the thing is, is we don't know that, right? Like the right. only people that know that are the people that are in the meetings with him. But uh, I think it's going to be absolutely wild. If this guy goes in the top 10. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of just for like a fun little thing. I was hoping he'd fall down in that like mid 15 to 20 range. And the you Pats know, get him. Yeah. The Patriots try to get him. Well, that was the favorite. They only have he, to go up a little bit maybe to get him. Not that was the favorite early on because the guy is like, I mean, he's, yeah. he's a bit of a meme. Like the, he's <laughs> like, doesn't have a great body, not super athletic. 
not athletic at all. What, based what do you on got against SEC the beer gut, man? Come on now. So, I mean, I'm just saying, dude, like, he st- have you seen the picture of him standing next to Tua and Jalen Hurts in the locker room? Absolutely yeah. hilarious. <laughs> so uh, that'll wrap it up for our show today. Um, thought the thought the Sims uh, quarterback rankings were interesting, especially considering his successful history. Not a big Justin Fields guy. Not a big Trey Lance guy. It'll be I'm really interesting to Justin see how Fields that guy either how that plays out. Yeah, we can talk. We'll talk about that some other time. But I'm I'm start I'm kind of leaning with you. Um, but uh, we got to give a shout out to our sponsors before we end the show. And uh, first up, we got Aces Wild at 208 North Main Street in Columbia, Illinois. Head on out to aces wild they are our ace of the week and they are a fantastic partner for us head on out to aces wild they got uh tvs they got they they got uh games they got the they got the whole setup out there so uh head on out to aces wild at 208 north main street in columbia illinois and this show is presented by book it sports i can't remember if i remember that off the top or not <laughs> nick will have to give me some more shit on the next podcast but we are presented by book it sports who has just added robert turbin to, to the app. He is yeah. a brand ambassador for them. He's been retweeting them. So Robert Turbin, NFL running back, longtime NFL running back. That guy had some longevity with the Seahawks. Um, and then more recently with the Colts, it seemed like he was with the Colts just forever. I remember when they had the combo of Frank Gore and Robert Turbin, and it was just elite, elite <laughs> running backing. So uh, head on over to book it sports. You don't miss the wave. Uh, they got Robert Turbin over there. So, I mean, that's gotta be all you need, right? So, uh, hit, hit our text line as well. 904-990-3850. Nick, I'm assuming we didn't have any texts this week, right? We did not get any texts this week. So you assholes did not listen to me <laughs> last week and you need to hit up the line 904-990-3850. We want to talk draft. We want to talk off season. Give us your reactions to JJ Watt. Give us your reactions to Deshaun Watson in this quarterback market. Something we didn't even get to this week is the Russell Wilson drama. We'll cover that next week. Uh, but hit, hit us up on the text line, 904-990-3850. Tali, any closing thoughts? I'll just let the fans know, too. We're at From the 50 Show on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Book It. We're everywhere. Go follow us, DM us. And hit us up on fromthe50.com. Yeah, Fully you, can, you can comment on blogs on fromthe50.com. So go in there, tell Zook he shouldn't have released his article early. Or yeah, know. exactly, exactly. But no, that that was that was fun off the top of the off the top of the pot. I I got to talk to them. Uh, we got to get on a show together and uh, and argue about it because I got some shit to say. I mean, like, let's just say that. So, uh, but uh, no, it's all it's all in good fun. Um, for Nick. I'm Zach Sook. Thank you guys so much for making us a part of your day and we will see you next week.